0: My goodness, what a beautiful morning. Uh, Well, good morning. If uh, you are joining with us here in person or if you're joining with us at home, it is so great to have you here. Uh, My name is Tim Deal. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are, uh, we're talking this morning about what it means to be a citizen. Now, I don't know about you. If you're anything like me, you probably don't think much about what it means to be a citizen. Um, Most of us, we're just kind of citizens by the accident of our birth. Like, we didn't make choices that got us here, we just were born here. Um, And so it's not the kind of thing that we think about very often. But if you've ever talked to someone who's a naturalized citizen, someone who uh, came from another country, who, uh, through a lot of work, a lot of time, and probably some significant suffering, made the choice to become a naturalized citizen, for them, they think about it a lot, typically. Uh, If you ever ask them what it means to them, they'll talk about things like opportunity or belonging or identity, freedom, those kinds of things. Uh, being a citizen is a big deal. Now, if, if you don't think about it, even if you don't think about it a lot like me, you've probably been thinking about it more recently. Um, we've, we've been hearing a lot about citizenship. In fact, um, the, the process of becoming a naturalized citizen ends with a ceremony, a naturalization ceremony, that uh, was actually uh, on we, we got to kind of view one live at the Republican National Convention a couple of weeks ago. You may have seen this uh, where a, a few folks actually kind of completed the process and took the oath and became citizens of our country uh, and I don't know if you saw that or if you're familiar with the oath but it's it's an interesting uh it, it's an interesting document, a, a paragraph, uh, if you were able to hear that or if you've ever heard it before. I thought about reading it this morning, but I'm gonna avoid that because I think I'd probably lose most people. Uh, but I want to highlight a couple of things that are pointed out in this naturalization oath. When people are becoming citizens, what are the things that they're committing to? Uh, the first thing they're committing to is supporting the constitution. Um, the, the, other one that, the, the other thing that they do kind of explicitly is they renounce all allegiances to other nations, other kings or leaders. Uh, The word potentate is used, which I love, because that's just not a word that you ever use, or at least not that I ever use, but it's used in this oath. They renounce allegiances to foreign potentates. Um, they, uh, They commit to supporting and defending the US Constitution and the laws of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic and they commit to being willing to bear arms on behalf of the United States to defend the United States against our enemies. Citizenship is about loyalty to our nation and identity as Americans to the extent that you're willing to take up arms to defend that identity, that, that tribe. Now we're continuing our series that we've been calling Primary. And in this series, we are looking at what it means to be people who are learning to follow in the way of Jesus in the midst of a time that's really divided, that where many people, including our own, many of our passions and our hopes, our expectations are being channeled towards uh, particular politicians or political ideologies. Our hopes for the future are often kind of wrapped up in what's going to happen politically. Well, what does it mean to be people who are following Jesus in this moment? That's kind of what we're exploring in this series. And so this morning, we're talking about this idea of citizenship. And what does it mean to be citizens? When Paul, who's one of the, uh, the New Testament authors, he's actually he's a leader in the early church. Most of the New Testament is actually letters written by Paul to churches all around uh, the Roman Empire. And in one of them in his letter to Philippi, this, this city in what's now Greece, he talks about this idea of citizenship. He invokes this this word citizen to refer to these people. And this makes a lot of sense for them. Um, as, as people in Philippi, they would have been a colony in the Roman empire. And while many of them would have never been to Rome, they would have enjoyed all of the rights and responsibilities and privileges as citizens of Rome. And as the, the most powerful um, empire in the world, most, the most powerful entity, that would have had a lot of of privileges, maybe even a lot of pride with it. You know, we're Roman citizens. There was something really special about that. But when Paul writes to them, he invokes this idea of a different kind of citizenship that actually ought to take primacy over their citizenship to Rome. We read this in his letter to the Philippians in the first chapter. Verse 27. Paul writes, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So Paul writes to these folks, and he says, above all, consider yourselves citizens of heaven. The, the primary citizenship that you have, your, your primary allegiance is not to Rome or to the nation in which you're born, but to heaven, to, to God, to the kingdom of God. Now that doesn't mean you don't love the nation that you're born in, doesn't mean you, you don't love the nation that you're a citizen of, but it does mean that at times there may be tensions that, that arise from these allegiances. Your your allegiance to your nation of birth and and your allegiance to the kingdom of heaven. And and what do you do when these things arise? And and what do those tensions look like? I appreciate how pastor and author Greg Boyd kind of teases this out. He says, the kingdom of the world is intrinsically tribal in nature and is heavily invested in defending, if not advancing, one's own people group, one's nation, one's one's ethnicity, one's ideologies, etc., that is why it is a kingdom characterized by perpetual conflict. The kingdom of God, however, is intrinsically universal, for it is centered on simply loving as God loves. It is centered on people living for the sole purpose of replicating the love of Jesus Christ to all people at all times, in all places, without condition. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so Boyd kind of compares the two of them, whereas citizenship to a physical country drives us towards tribalism, right? At, by its very nature. It, it, it's about identity, it's about belonging, and so it, it drives us into this group of people who kind of we identify as us. But it also then creates a them, right? Those who aren't us, those who live outside of our tribe, outside of our borders. But the kingdom of God drives us towards not an us versus them, but an us, right? It moves us towards seeing all people as people for whom Christ died, whom God loves, whom we are for. And in fact, being being people whose primary allegiance is to our citizenship in the kingdom of God better enables us to be for our actual nation more so than than holding our primary allegiance as our citizenship to our nation. Like we can be better Citizens of America, by seeing our primary allegiance not to America, but to the kingdom of God. Because it enables us to be for people, not just for our tribe. It enables us to be the kind of people who live for all people, not just our people. In fact, the the language that Paul uses to describe what that dynamic is like, what it means to live in a particular place, but as citizens of another country, is this word ambassadors. We actually mentioned this last week if you were with us or if you, if you heard the, um, the, the live stream. Paul talks about this in his second letter to the Corinthian church. He uses this phrase, ambassadors. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That as people whose primary allegiance is our citizenship to the kingdom of God, We live as ambassadors, as representatives of that kingdom, of that king in this country. Who we are represents who he is. Our lives represent that primary allegiance. And what does that look like, being an ambassador? Well, I, so when I think of ambassadors, I tend to think of, uh, and this just tells you about my stage of life. I think of like ambassadors at a college. If you've ever done the college tour thing, uh, often the people who give you the tours are called ambassadors. They are people who are representing that college and what the college is about and what they stand for uh, as they give you your tour. And traditionally, they represent the best of that university, right? Like people, they, they get the. You know, the most outgoing, the, the most kind of happy, and uh, the people who have really positive experiences to share. And so it's a really good experience. So one time uh, when my son, a couple years ago when my son was looking at colleges, I remember taking my son on a, a campus tour. And I was kind of invested in this campus in a way that I've learned since that you really shouldn't as a parent. If you've had kids who've gone through this process, you know, it's not helpful. But I kind of, I really kind of had hopes for this institution because, one, it was cheap uh two it had an engineering program that was was great which is what my my son was looking at um and then three there was just some other things about it that i was like oh this i think this kind of fits him so i'm like oh this will be great so we set up a campus tour and there were these two young men who took us on this tour who were ambassadors for the school and we'd already been on a couple other campus tours and typically you go on the tour you go in and you're like i don't know and you go on the tour and you're like wow that was really cool and those people seem to love that spot maybe i could see myself here right like that's what you do So we went on this tour and it was, the word that comes to mind is underwhelming, right? Like, so so you got these two guys and and they're taking us around and I kid you not, like we spent most of our time outside of the, the nurse's office talking about different stories about times they had gone to the nurse's office. And then outside the ping pong room, talking about how they spent their time at the ping pong room, which was cool, like, I like ping pong, that's great. Um, But when we're thinking overall about, you know, kind of what experience my son might have and the kind of uh, money he's going to be spending, not necessarily the two places that I was most wanting to hear about, right? And so we walked away from this experience less excited, uh, having less of a sense of like we could see ourselves or he could see himself in this place. Because in many ways, and, and I ended up talking to some friends who, who worked there later, I was like, this was not a great experience. Um, and as we talked, you know, they made it clear like, oh, this doesn't really represent our, our organization, our, our university. They, they misrepresented us. And I think they're right. But ambassadors carry a lot of weight in terms of how a kingdom is represented. And sadly... I think as followers of Jesus, we've often misrepresented what it is that the kingdom of God is. We've misrepresented it as maybe a religious preference. You know, the thing that we choose to do on a a Sunday in a place like this, or, well, now at home on my sofa or here um, or whenever. Or, Or we've misrepresented it as actually just one more representation of tribal identity like where this is how I identify my people who agree with me versus everybody else. I think there's a lot of ways that, as ambassadors, we've really misrepresented the kingdom, that we've not really understood what our role is as people who are living as citizens primarily of the kingdom of God. And as such, we we haven't reflected well the king of this kingdom. So what does it look like to be ambassadors or to, to do that role well? I mean, I think it looks like the king of the kingdom. It, it reflects the character of the one who embodies all that the kingdom is. In this, in this uh, passage where Paul talks about citizenship, uh, you know we read from verse, uh, chapter one, verse 27. If you go just a couple verses later in chapter two. Paul begins to lay out what this kingdom looks like, what what the kingdom is in its very nature. He says this. He says, you must have the very same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. As Paul kind of breaks down what it means to be a citizenship of the kingdom of God, he says citizenship looks like Christ. It looks like the king. And what is the king like? The king is one who responds to his enemies, who responds to evil with humble love. That the way the kingdom is, the way the kingdom comes, the way the kingdom is won, the way that the kingdom expresses itself, is Christ on a cross. Humble, self-giving love. And that this is what it means to be an ambassador, is to be people who learn what it means to know the one who is defined by his humble, self-giving love, and to live out of that love. Not just for our people, but for all people. We are ambassadors for that kind of universal kingdom. I mean, there's very few more kind of, you know, if you talk to people, even if they aren't familiar with um, Christianity, uh, they probably have some maybe working knowledge or familiarity with John 3.16, right? Maybe if they're just football fans and they know that that was on Tim Tebow's eye black for a while, or um, they've seen people holding the signs, whatever, like this idea that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like, that's kind of the core of this message. God so loved the world. That God was moved in love, not for a people, but for all people. That the kingdom is not defined by a tribe. It transcends tribes. It's universal. This is what the kingdom is like. And as ambassadors of this kingdom, we, we defend this kingdom, not by taking up the sword, but by taking up our cross, by following Jesus in this way of humble love for all people. We don't defend ourselves, we die to ourselves. This is the nature of this kingdom. This is what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom, people whose lives are marked by knowing this one who gives himself in humble love and who live in humble love towards all people, not just our people. Now, you might be saying at this time, um, like, yeah, I get that, Tim. That sounds great. But there are are really, like, when it comes to politics, there are people who have really dangerous ideas that we need to battle. There are really important things that are going on that need to be addressed. And you're right. There, There are. There might be situations you're looking at. Maybe it's in your family or, or it's in other relationships. we are going, this is really serious. And the, the things that these people are doing, they're significant. Is, is humble love, is that really enough? Don't we need something more? And while, you know, humble love is certainly not passive. It's not simply sitting back and being nice to people. I mean, arguably, Jesus didn't passively kind of find himself caught up in a system that crucified him. But he, you know, the scripture actually says at various times he set his face towards the cross. His intent was to not passively get caught up in a system, but to intentionally move towards this, this work of self-giving love because it was ultimately what was needed to make things right, to defeat evil once and for all. I think about the words of Dostoevsky in his book, The Brothers Karamazov, as he kind of thought about this and reflected on it in this work of fiction. He says that some thoughts one stands perplexed above all at the sight of human sin and wonders whether to combat it by force or by humble love. Always decide, I will combat it by humble love. If you resolve on that once and for all, you can conquer the whole world. Loving humility is a terrible force, It is the strongest of all things, and there is nothing else like it. As ambassadors for a kingdom whose king is crucified, his, his enthronement is his crucifixion, we represent a kingdom that says the way to conquer evil is not by identifying who the good guys and the bad guys are, siding up with the good guys and destroying the bad guys. But it's this move towards humble, self-giving love in the way of Jesus. That it's that move that ultimately conquers evil, that ultimately establishes the kingdom. Remembering that we are sent as ambassadors of a kingdom that is for all people, not just our people. So I would encourage you, challenge you as followers of Jesus to be thinking about what does it mean to recognize our primary citizenship is the kingdom of God, not, not primarily our citizenship in a country. Again, as much as we may appreciate and value that, our primary commitment is our allegiance, our citizenship to the kingdom of God. This week, I'd encourage you to to consider what it looks like to know the, the king more deeply, to, to pursue knowing Christ more deeply. I think the most important thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is to press in more deeply to relationship with the one who we follow, to know the king who defines the kingdom. That's the first step. And as we do that, to pursue his character of humble love as we relate to all people. So as a, as a practical step, I, one thing you could do if you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but how do I do that? I'd invite you to consider this week taking this passage from Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, uh, and I'd say even just verses 1 to 18. If you have a Bible, use that. If you don't have a Bible, there's lots of free um, resources, both online and on, if you have a smartphone, you can download Lots of free Bible resources. But consider taking some time every day. Take 10 minutes every morning and reflect on those 18 verses. To take some time to read over it several times, prayerfully. Asking God to show you more about who Christ is and what it means to be someone whose life is being shaped in his character and in his way. If we are people who are regularly rooting ourselves in the, the knowledge of Christ and working to live that out imperfectly in the places where we find ourselves, in our nation, in our political process, in our relationships, then we will live as ambassadors who rightly reflect the ultimate kingdom, the kingdom that transcends all kingdoms, the kingdom that will outlast every kingdom. There's a lot of us who are really anxious about where things are going, and and there are important things that we need to be concerned about. Again, I'm not trying to minimize how important elections and these political ideas being thrown around, how important they are. They're important, but they are temporary. Being ambassadors of the king transcends our commitment to all of these things. So may we learn to be primarily committed to our citizenship in the kingdom of God. And they would be ambassadors who rightly reflect the humble love of our King. Let me pray for us as we move into a final worship song. Father, um, we recognize that it is really easy to lose sight of Our primary allegiance to citizenship in the kingdom of God. And maybe this is, I mean, maybe for some of us, this is the first time we've even thought about that as a category. This idea of citizenship in the kingdom of God, it can feel really kind of odd and not very material. Would you help us to be people who increasingly understand what it means to be citizens of your kingdom? Whose lives are marked by humble love, by a willingness not to defend our tribe, but to die to ourselves, not just for all people, but or not just for our people, but for all people. Would our lives be marked by humble love? May we grow in our knowledge of you, of your love, your humble love in our lives. Would our lives reflect that love in really practical ways each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray.